Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Hello everybody and welcome to a special programme on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. You know, when you buy your ticket or go into a motor racing venue, it says motor racing is dangerous. We have accepted that since motor racing started. And whether you're a driver, a team member, a spectator or one of the army of marshals without whom we could not go motor racing... The first thought always has to be safety. But what about things that it's not as easy to see? Well, today we're going to be talking about the hidden injury often of concussion. And I'm delighted to say that joining me for this special programme, Dr. Sasha Blaskovich, who had gone through some injuries of this nature in college football and has dedicated his career to helping people who have had similar injuries. He's a board-certified chiropractor in Canada, the USA and the Netherlands and owns and operates three clinics. Ethan O'Brien joins us as well and he is the co-author of Concussion Breakthrough, which he co-wrote with Dr. Blaskovich. Ethan, I'll come to you in a second because I know that you have had uh, concussions in the past. And and I want to talk to you about living with them, coping with them, and what we can do to mitigate those symptoms. But, Doctor, if I can come to you first, it's an obvious question, but what is concussion? Well, concussion, by definition, over the many decades uh, past, has literally been uh, trauma to the head where the brain sloshes one way and then sloshes the other way, and then you've got the brain injury. Uh, however, uh, I wish it was that simple uh, with uh, any imaging technology that has been uh, utilized on patients to image their brain afterwards. And there is some up and coming stuff that is a little bit better, but in past times, um, imaging of that has rendered negative results where the symptoms a person has don't necessarily correlate to what the imaging shows. And um, that's basically in a nutshell what concussion has been known as. Often described, Doctor, as small M, capital T-B-I. The small M, appropriate enough, is for minor. The big letters, the capital letters, T-B-I, traumatic brain injury. And that tells us surely how seriously we should be taking this. That's correct. That's correct. The, The terms traumatic brain injury, whether the major kind or the minor kind, like you said, or the mild traumatic brain injury, both indicate that there's been some trauma to the brain where the symptoms that the person displays are obvious of that nature. Ethan, you've suffered, uh, you've had concussions in the past. How did the symptoms manifest themselves to you? And in those days, a few years ago, were you able to recognise that and, and take some remedial action? 
Well, the first concussion that I had, uh, I was only eight years old at the time, and uh, I didn't recognize it right away because there wasn't a lot of education about concussions 20 years ago. Uh, but uh, within about four hours, I felt like a, a brick of a sack of bricks had been hit over my head. And uh, so the main symptoms that I was feeling was, you know, headaches, um, uh, dizziness and nausea, and just being unable to get up and walk around. I was stuck to my bed, basically. I think most of us of who, who have been active in our younger years and possibly even into our middle years at some time or another, when you look back, you can see the potential or the actual injuries that you, you might have sustained. Doctor, are there different levels of concussion that perhaps we might not have even realised when we've had one of these TBIs, one of these traumatic brain injuries. Yes, there certainly are, and like uh, like it uh, talks about in the book, the the biggest uh, underlying missed factor is that the the lack of of um, attention to the fact that there's a momentum involved in the injury and and whether the head makes contact with some hard object or doesn't. There are, you know, at least in the neck, seven bones that are separate entities underneath the skull. And so when the skull stops by way of striking something, those bones continue to have a momentum and, and they're held in place and attached to each other by, by these, you know, cords that are, that are called ligaments that are fibrous and don't have much stretch to them. And so when those things get stretched or torn, then you're, you end up getting a, a level of instability, too much movement between the bones in the neck. And the number one job of those bones is to protect the brainstem and spinal cord. It's not motion. The secondary job of them is motion. And so when the motion exceeds what is normal, you get mild compressive forces just by sitting and watching TV as the bones shift out of position, putting pressure on the brainstem or the spinal cord, rendering the same mild traumatic brain injury type symptoms or concussive symptoms as a pure blow to the head. We're very fortunate in, in motorsports that the work of Dr. Sid Watkins, sadly no longer with us, in, in Formula One in particular, has added an awful lot to our knowledge of head injuries and how particular cars at the highest level are designed. But what you're saying to me here, Doctor, and, and, and Ethan, maybe I can bring this up with you, is it's not necessarily about getting a blow to the head, whiplash kind of injury, which happens quite a lot when you're behind the wheel of a car, whether it's a street or road car or in, in motor racing, they, that can still have quite serious implications. Yeah, uh, and that's actually what was going on with me personally. Like I was having years and years of symptoms and I never realized that what was actually causing my post-concussion symptom was, was not actually a brain injury, but it was actually a neck injury from getting hit from behind in ice hockey. So uh, Dr. Blaskovich was the first guy that really was able to teach me this information and he demonstrated on his motion x-ray device that I was actually suffering from ligament damage and that was what was causing my post-concussion symptoms from a whiplash type of injury, not actually the brain injury itself. We often hear, Ethan, about the protocols for concussion, particularly in sports. In, in motorsport, it is quite heavy in, in the fact that the, the Motorsports Association here in the UK, people like uh, Speedway uh, Associations uh, and Formula One, any kind of concussion, it's uh, two to three weeks uh, a minimum of, of 24 hours away from everything and two to three weeks with tests before you can go back. How have you been able to mitigate 
the effect and continue to enjoy an active life? What tactics, if you like, are, are, have you been using? Yeah, so some of the key tactics that I've used in my own life are uh, managing inflammation through uh, watching what foods I'm eating, limiting my diet to non-inflammatory foods, uh, taking supplements, and then using Dr. B's trigger pointer has been another uh, great tool for reducing symptoms in my head and my neck. It's basically kind of like an S-curve type of design, and you just basically wedge that into your neck or into your temples, wherever you have a, a sore or a tense muscle. And after uh, sustained pressure for 30 to 60 seconds, it helps relieve that soreness and that, and that pain. I'm very interested to know about your diet because you mentioned specific types of foods there. How does that help uh, and what sort of foods are we talking about? Yeah, so after getting a, a concussion or a whiplash injury, it's, it's, a, it's damage to the nervous system. And if we drink things like alcohol or eat sugar uh, or other fast foods, that can actually cause an inflammatory response throughout the body. And if you have an injury in the nervous system, it will basically just flare up the nervous system as well. Um, and then, it, like in my case where I have the ligament damage in my neck uh, with the, the vertebrae uh, shift sometimes, and that can actually put more pressure on my brainstem. So if I'm eating an inflammatory diet, then I'll notice those symptoms a lot more. So some of the foods that I try to eat to keep the inflammation down are fruits and veggies, um, lots of leafy greens. Uh, I eat uh, clean, clean versions of meats. Um, try and eat grass-fed as much as possible because it's supposed to be lower in inflammatories. Uh, and then, yeah, just watching alcohol and, and sugary drinks as well is another important one. Uh, Dr. B, I said most of us have probably been exposed to this. I know I have. When I was young, I rode my bike when I wasn't looking, about eight or nine years old, rode my bicycle into the back of a park VW Beetle, knocked myself out cold, went to bed for a few hours, doctor came around, I was looked after. I don't think the same sort of, of protocols as nowadays, but within, I was young, within a even a day, I was feeling much better. More recently, when I had a, an accident in a race car and ended up coming to a very sharp stop, with my hands device, with my six-point harness, with my RI helmet on and with lots of padding around me, I wasn't knocked out. But the consequences of that incident, which felt as nothing compared to the one when I was a youngster, lasted a much longer time. Why is that? Generally, it's because of the cumulative effect. Uh, when, when we have these smaller type of injuries that don't really set us back as much, at some point in time, uh, there is an additional event that happens that is not necessarily major, but because the tissue has been weakened and weakened and weakened with consecutive injuries, the, the cumulative effect of stretching those ligaments more and more and more each time it happens, eventually it reaches a point where it does create enough, pardon me, enough instability where you will get the mild compressive brainstem issues resulting in a longer, if you want to call it healing or a longer return back to normal. I was advised by a motor racing friend after that incident not to look at my telephone, try not to look at a computer screen. There is a correlation between your sight functions and concussion, is there not? There certainly is, yes. So sight gets processed at the back of the brain underneath on the bottom, which is at literally right by the top of the neck. 
and that's usually the part of the the neck that gets injured in these types of mtbi injuries is the upper part of the neck and so there's a direct correlation there and the other problem is is that um there, there's four little muscles on each side on the back of the neck that support the skull to the first and the and the skull to the second and the first to the second bones and those muscles have direct uh, spindle which are basically sensor connections to the eyes so even if your head doesn't move and your eyes are tracking on a screen those muscles are actually engaging as if your head was about to move so they're preparing for the head to move even though the head's not moving and so they're getting a workout just by using your eyes Ethan, we can't stop every percussive injury. There's a huge debate here in Europe and across the world in soccer about heading a football uh, and and whether those types of small injuries can can add up. Football's not like they were when when I was uh, younger, much lighter, of course, but even so. But what can we do to A, recognise and B, to help ourselves the very moment a potential injury or an injury has occurred? Yes, I think the number one thing for education is uh, just recognizing what some of the potential symptoms are of having a concussion. And I know in my own personal case, there was times when I was a teenager when I knew I had a concussion inside, but I personally didn't want to stop playing the sport or playing the game because it may have been a championship type of game or something like that. So I think having that recognizing that what the symptoms are and then also understanding what the long term uh, uh problems are if you ignore it and continue to play is very important because I as a kid often we we think you know I'm invincible I can just keep going and going but <laughs> uh, as I've learned in my own life it starts to add up over time like Dr. B was just talking about and it, it can get a lot worse in the future so uh, it's very important for people to to recognize the symptoms and take themselves out of the sport or out of the game uh, that they're playing whenever they do notice some post-concussion symptoms show up. Hard enough to say it when you're doing it for enjoyment. Nearly impossible to try and persuade professional sports people to do that. And I guess that's part of what we've got to overcome in, in all sport. Dr. B, one of the things that most people talk about from my reading that I've done since we set this interview up is people complain about headaches, headaches behind the eyes, eyes. Um, stiff neck migraine like symptoms and of course what's the first thing you reach for there it's some kind of uh, over-the-counter probably pain relief they're effective they're not effective is it even a good thing to be thinking about my personal opinion on that is is no and that's uh, mainly based on the fact that i have not seen it work well on myself uh, ever and i've not seen it work well enough on my patients and so the alternative to that is basically pressure points, pressure point release or acupressure, if you want to call it that, on those muscles at the base of the skull, on the top in the back, and also sometimes on the temple muscles because the jaw is often infect, uh, affected by these injuries as well in the jaw muscles. And so those muscles, as they start to become overworked, they build up lactic acid. That lactic acid is a toxin that causes pain. And so so painkillers don't get rid of the toxins. They get rid of the basically the the brain's ability to sense the discomfort from those toxins if you're lucky and if you're not it doesn't help at all and these pressure points actually relieve both the tension off the muscle by releasing the fibers and letting them become functional again but also depleting the lactic acid that's accumulated so that there's no toxin floating around to irritate the muscles so it reduces the headache it makes absolute sense when you describe it in those scientific terms doctor 
I read as well in your book Concussion Breakthrough, hormones can be affected after uh, one of these MTBIs, one of these concussion incidents. Correct. Yep. Uh, so when you uh, this is a, I mean this is an in-depth uh, the story that could we could talk for hours on just this one subject but when you have that type of an injury to the upper neck what that does in a nutshell is is the shift of the bones when the muscles go into this spastic state that becomes uh, symptomatic for the patient this this position of the bones also restricts the drainage of the brain fluid that the brain continues to make as your heart beats and so as the brain continues to make this fluid and it's not draining through the upper part of the neck it accumulates in the brain and it actually puts pressure on the pituitary gland, for example, and the rest of your brain. And that's literally what controls the release or the control of the release of hormones in your body. So you can have um, all sorts of global effects just based on this because of the sensor system and the release system is being affected by pure mechanical pressure from extra fluid accumulation. Ethan, we've talked about how difficult it is to perhaps persuade a sportsman to to walk away how can we help protect people from themselves what can their friends their families their co-workers team members what can they do and, and how can they monitor the recovery of the of the injured person and let's be honest it is an injury yeah i think uh going back to what i was saying earlier the awareness of the symptoms and the potential long-term issues is the number one thing the movie concussion is really good for kind of showing someone what the potential risks are if you do ignore uh, post-concussion symptoms and post-concussion injuries. And uh, a great starting point uh, it would be uh, checking out our book. There's a lot of good YouTube videos as well for, uh, you know, looking at symptoms and looking for other strategies of, of what to do immediately after a concussion. Um, but I think a, a very important key is, is if you do have a family member or a friend who has had a concussion, it's very important uh, to to educate yourself as well because oftentimes it's put on the the concussed individual themselves to try and figure this out and when you have a brain injury it's very hard to read information and kind of diagnose it and figure out okay how am I going to apply this to my own life so it's really helpful if you have a parent or a friend or someone who has some knowledge about these injuries that can kind of be there to help hold your hand through the process. Ethan thanks for being with us. Dr. B a final word from you. If we accept that people are going to continue getting these injuries because that's the nature of, of living. What maybe top three things would you say on the road to recovery from concussion would be the things that people can do to mitigate those injuries going forward, get them back to a proper way of thinking and working in a safe way, not necessarily as quickly as possible, but as safely as possible. It's a cliche, but lots of rest, uh, lots of water, uh, lots of supplementation to basically reduce the inflammatory markers and also to improve uh, the healing of nervous tissue. Um, I think the biggest thing that sort of plays a role, uh, getting back into what you just asked, Ethan, is that if the family members are more understanding of the fact that this is a true injury, and it's especially with young people, I mean, the biggest tip-off is that their personality changes slightly, so they might become more irritable, more volatile. They're quickly responding without sort of having a filter to their reactions. That's a big thing for family members to watch out for, watch out for especially parents, to know that the, the child isn't being a, a mean child. They're actually processing some kind of a neurological information that they don't want to be processing, and they can't really explain to what that is. And so the, the, the kid is very volatile, very angry, and so they got to watch out for that and support them in that and realize that it's nothing personal against them as a parent. 
And then the last thing is, I think, putting stress on the system, which would be in the way of doing wind sprints when you're trying to get back so that if you can run a couple of hundred meter sprints and you don't get a headache, you don't get lightheaded, that sort of is an indicator that you're probably ready to start getting more into the sport, or if not getting back into it fully. And, and I guess the last uh, important note is that if symptoms continue to persist and persist and persist no matter what you do, there is a likelihood that there is a significant enough upper neck ligament injury that needs to be addressed because your risk of a future re-injury that's going to be way worse is significantly higher if that gets missed. Dr. Sasha Blaskovich and Ethan O'Brien are the co-authors of Concussion Breakthrough, and they've been our guests on this special programme. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Thanks for having us, John. Thank you. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.